Hallelujah. All of the praise is for you, Jesus. We exalt your name, Almighty God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we bless the name of the Lord in this place tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. How many likes would they feel in the house here tonight? Amen. I got good news for you. God's not done yet. Amen. Amen. We have worshipped the Lord in song. We have given God glory and praise. Amen. For in Judah is he known. In praise is he known. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord here tonight. I'm very happy to introduce our speaker here tonight. I, uh, I, I, I can say he's a young man because he's younger than me. But I, uh, I, I met Brother Jesse Arthur in 2013. Uh, I think he was still a teenager at that time. Uh, and I was impressed from the beginning uh, because I didn't know young people worship God the way that he did. I didn't know that young people laid on their face before the altar and prayed and sought God. I, I, I didn't know that. I hadn't seen that until we joined the church in Richmond. And uh, I was impressed with Brother Jesse's worship and his heart for God. Amen. And then I heard him preach. And then I heard him preach quite a few more times. And I'm going to be very honest with you tonight. I have... I have uh, told Brother Jesse quite a few times that he is one of my favorite preachers, and I haven't just said that to build him up or or to uh, to just flatter him. But literally every time I have heard this man preach, I have either been left seriously searching my own heart because of the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Or I am typically left in a ball of crying mess. Either way, God wins. Amen. And so, months ago in prayer, as I was walking the, the floor one morning and I was praying as, as we were opening back up and I was so anxious to get uh, this church back on the track it was in 2019, I said, Lord, what would you have us to do this year? And the thought of revival immediately came to me. And I honestly, I hadn't given revival a whole lot of thought up to that point. And the Lord impressed upon me, I want you to have a three-day revival. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. Who do you want me to have come and preach? And as fast as I could ask that question, Brother Jesse Arthur's face came into my mind. And I knew without, without any doubt that that was confirmation from the Lord, this would be the man of God to have you come and preach. Amen. And so I am excited uh, to have Brother Jesse Arthur with us. I know that God has given him a word, and I'm excited to hear from God. Is there anybody here tonight, amen, that believe that God wants to talk to us tonight? Amen. Amen. How many will receive the word of the Lord? That's the important thing you got to receive the Word of God, not just hear it, but you got to receive it. 
Amen. Now let me ask you one more question. Who's going to get behind the preaching of the word tonight? Amen. Who's going to get behind the preacher here tonight? Amen. Because Brother Jesse told me, if you amen him a lot, he'll be done in 30 minutes. I'm joking. He didn't say that. But we're going to get behind the preaching. We're going to open our hearts to whatever the Lord has for us here tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Jesse Arthur to take this pulpit, and I'm going to ask him to take his liberty. And I know that that's sort of a cliche thing that people say when they have a guest speaker, but I mean that with all of my heart, Brother Jesse. I want you to take your liberty, and I want you to just do whatever the Holy Ghost would have you to do tonight. Amen. Let's welcome Brother Jesse Arthur to the pulpit here. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. You see, if I, if I had a guy as ugly as me appear to me in prayer, I'd be praying hard too, Brother Puckett. Now, I thank you for all those kind words. I want to give honor to your pastor. Uh, thankful for the opportunity to come and minister to you and be with you at this uh, tremendous occasion, this revival that you're hosting. I want to give honor to my pastor uh, and to my wife who couldn't be here this evening, but I hope very much so that she'll be joining us uh, tomorrow and Sunday with uh, my kids, my crazy kids. If you would be so kind as to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 33. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that came with expectation that God is going to do something fantastic tonight. Come on. I wonder if there's anybody tonight that came with a need, with a hunger, with a desire, with an ambition for God to step into a situation and provide something that only God can provide. Amen? Amen. Exodus chapter 33, and I'll start at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, depart. Go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it, I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Ites, the Ites, the Ites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments, for the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. I want to, I'm going to switch over. I've been reading from the ESV. I want to read this in the KJV for you real quick. 33 and starting at verse 7. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. 
And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, we magnify you, God. We give you all the thanks and all the praise. We glorify you, Lord. There's nobody like you. There is no one besides you. No one can do what you can do. There's only authority and power in one name, and that is the name of Jesus, the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that you are the Lord and Savior now and forevermore. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God. Open our hearts to receive what you have in store for us. I thank you for breaking down every stronghold that would seek to prohibit your word from going forward. God, let our hearts be anointed. Let our ears be anointed. We know your word is anointed. Let my lips be anointed, Jesus. We magnify you and we thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do tonight and the coming nights of this revival. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen Amen means let it be so. So you're agreeing with me. Whether you liked what I said or not, <laughs> amen. You may be seated. My family uh, loves, absolutely loves camping. And um, as a kid, I used to do, we used to do a ton of camping. And um, we, would, we would camp all over, at, at the time we were living in South Florida, and we'd camp all over uh, just some of the most beautiful parts of the country. And uh, looking back, I think it was partly because my family loved camping, and partly because that was the only vacation a family of six uh, starting a home missions church in one of the most expensive parts of the country. That was the only vacation we could actually afford to take. And uh, so we, we grew up doing all kinds of crazy stuff and listening to raccoons fight each other in the woods and chilling on the... A lot of times we would camp very close to a beach, which was really cool, really nice, but... Uh, uh, that not uh, not something we get too frequently here in the great state of Indiana, huh? But we could we could probably go for a little beach vacay every now and then. But it was around the age of twelve or thirteen. Everybody remembers the age of twelve or thirteen, right? Because that was when we were at the peak of all known knowledge. We'll never be smarter. We'll never be uh, more understanding of the things of the universe, the world around us, than when we are about twelve or 13 years old, and I had this epiphany. I'm a man now. I don't, stay in the, the, I don't stay in the tent with the rest of the family. And so I went, and uh, of course, I also had a massive budget at the age of 12. So I went to Walmart, and I took all the money. I scrounged all the money I had in my piggy bank and from cutting grass and doing whatever. And I went to Walmart, and I got this tent. And the, the packaging was kind of deceptive, uh, because it was just blue on the outside, and the only thing it said on the outside of the the uh, the box, the carrier thing, was Disney. And when I opened it up, it was like a uh, Jesse, like a Jesse. You guys remember Jesse, the cowgirl from Toy Story? Yeah, it was a Jesse from. It was a Jesse tent. So it was like it was blue, and it only said Disney, but it ended up being like a girl's tent. And I was like, this is this is wrong, but. I had spent all my money, and I guess I wasn't familiar with return policies, so I took that bad boy out, and we went, uh, I'll never forget my dad, he's cracking up as I'm setting up this tent, 
and he they had you know there's six of us so we had one of those big tents like three rooms and just I mean it came with a refrigerator and everything you could washer and dryer and this is deluxe top of the line tent and he's cracking up because I'm gonna spend the night in this dinky little Disney tent and I kid you not it was probably four by four it was it was small and um, I had this uh, precarious. Um, well, I, I thought I was going to be exceptionally blessed when I was 12 or 13, because believe it or not, I hit a growth spurt when I was 12, and I have literally been this exact same height since I was 12 years old. The, they, I mean, the, my family, they were raving, he's going to be a giant, he's going to be huge, he's going to be six foot six. If you know my kid brother, you'll know how hilarious that is, because I'm like 5'8", and he's the actual one that's actually like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, or whatever. Uh, so I got robbed. The Lord did promise me, though. He promised me a growth spurt. So I'm assuming it has to be more or less this way as opposed to this way. Because God is a God of his promises. But, uh, yeah, so there I was. And uh, if you're familiar with South Florida, you know that these torrential rains come out of nowhere. It's kind of like... Uh, like almost monsoon style rains that hit just about the same time every day in the summer. And so there we were. Uh, he set up this big jumbotron tent and I had my little dinky Disney tent. And lo and behold, we're about halfway into the night. It's probably one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. And just this, uh, like my grandfather would say, gully washer, a rainstorm comes along and I hadn't prepped. And so my tent is in like this divot in the earth. And before you know it, my sleeping bag, I wake up because first I hear the rain and then I kind of doze back off. And then I wake back up because I am, I've somehow imported a waterbed into my, my tent without ever asking for one. And I am literally swimming. I'm looking like a swamped rat, but I was too proud too proud to uh, go uh, unzip the tent on my and and essentially admit defeat to my family. So there I was the entire night, soaking wet, miserable. Never went back to sleep. But needless to say, I have some tremendous experiences in and with tenting and primitive camping. And I absolutely love it. Still do it to this day. Um, but tents are tents are interesting because they're nothing like the way we usually live. Running water, all the all the everything you could want, all the necessities plus all the comforts of life are not found in a tent. But I, I wanna I wanna preach for just a little while on tents, if that's all right with you. I wanna preach on this subject. Take me to the tent of meeting. Take me to the tent of meeting. I'm gonna read. I read a portion of this scripture for you, uh, this text out of Exodus chapter 33. I read it for you, part of it in the KJV, part of it in the ESV. If you would, I'm, I'm going to read just, uh, I want to reiterate something here, and I want to reiterate it from the ESV because the, the language is a little more understandable for me. And in verse 7, it says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp afar off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up 
and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And verse 9 of chapter 33 says, When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his own tent door. We find that this portion of scripture is very interesting. At the start of chapter 33, the Lord, he's frustrated. The Lord is frustrated. And he says, if I have to spend even one second, I'm, I'm putting it in, in the, the, the Jesse Arthur translation. If I have to spend one second, one moment with these people, I'm going to consume them. I'm going to cut them down. I absolutely, and, and there was quite a few factors that led to God being this frustrated. But we see in a moment of fear, turmoil, upheaval, confusion, starting to sound like the day and age we live in at all. No? Yes? Start, starting to sound strangely familiar. Moses shows some initiative. And I feel like this. I know this initiative needs to resonate with us. See, the, the, the tent of meeting that is referenced here is not the tent that I think we are familiar with. See, Moses had been given plans to build. How many of you are familiar with the wilderness tabernacle? The tabernacle. Moses had received plans to build said tabernacle. And uh, he had essentially the blueprints to and and to devise and to build and to construct this particular tabernacle and we see a, a few chapters uh, before this the Lord is talking about how he has granted specific people skill sets and abilities to build certain aspects and parts of this tabernacle but as of yet the opportunity to build has not presented itself these blueprints would provide the quintessential elements of uh, literally every tabernacle and temple that would follow. We even see some of the elements of the, those blueprints even in churches today. But as of yet, no opportunity to build. And so there is no tabernacle. There is no temple as of yet. Can I tell you that the, the opportunity that the enemy is always going to take to attack you is when the house of God is not accessible. The enemy isn't trying to land blast you right here and right now. He's trying to wait for Monday morning. Can I get a witness? He's trying to wait for one Monday morning when you're on your way to work. And that guy, that girl just cuts you off. Your boss, your coworker says something you just don't like that's getting under your skin. No, the enemy is going to wait till you're nowhere near the house of God, and then he's going to strike. Attacks, not when you're at the tabernacle, but when you're in the wilderness, so to speak. We even see this with Jesus. I mean, it, I don't know about y'all, but... I, I wish I was more spiritual, but all I need is about a 24-hour fast, and I feel the devil starting to attack me real good. My man was on a 40-day fast, and the enemy 
was coming again. But he, needless to say, he's going to come against you in a wilderness place. Pastor, uh, my pastor, excuse me, he's, he's very, uh, he's always, 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 he's about these two things that every man needs to carry. And uh, unfortunately, I have fallen short of the glory. I apparently am the son in whom the father is not well pleased because uh, my dad, he believes every man, every man needs to carry a pocket knife and one of those new, t- <laughs> brother, fuck it, making me look bad. Uh, I'm sure I got, uh, you probably, <laughs> I'm sure they got an app someplace I can download like a digital pocket knife. Uh, my wife is always giving me a hard time about that too. I better, I, I actually should start. There's a kid in my youth group that he carried, he, he took that to an extreme and he carries like one of those crocodile Dundee, like strap it to your life. He's like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> but uh, God is good. Anyways, I, I got I to be careful. Amen. All the time he's good. But he is, the enemy is going to do his best to attack you when you are in the wilderness. And as we know, Moses has not been able to build the tabernacle. And Moses can't constantly be up on the mountain. We know he's, he's, at this point in Scripture, he's had some pretty powerful encounters with God. He's come down off the mountain. He has received the law as we know it. And he has come down and he's, he's got this aurora and this glow. And people are like, mask yourself, man. That's the, that was the very first mask. The very first mask. They said, mask yourself. We can't take it. And there, there, so we know that Moses has had some powerful encounters with God, but he hasn't had a chance to build the tabernacle, and he can't always be on the mountaintop because, as we know, when Moses came down off the mountaintop, the people had fallen into idolatry and they had risen up against one another. And Moses, he's so raging mad, he just throws the law down. So we see Moses. He can't, and he hasn't had the time to orchestrate the building of a tabernacle. And he cannot always be on the mountaintop. So he devises another method. It reads like this in the ESV. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. This is not... As I often supposed, the wilderness tabernacle. The tent being referenced here is literally just that. Just a tent. Just a tent. It is just a tent that he has erected outside of the confines of the caravan, if you will. This, this large conglomerate of tents, some, some way removed from the people of Israel. He has set up this tent. A lot of theologians actually believe this was his own personal tent. That he had a sacrifice, that he had given up for a, a higher calling, a higher purpose. And whoever has a need can go ask, can go inquire of the Lord. And he will provide an answer. This was just a tent. Can I tell you that the supernatural 
is real. The supernatural is present. The miraculous is still at work. God is still a healer. He still opens blinded eyes. He still unstops death years. He still raises the dead. He still fills people with his spirit. God is a miracle working God. The supernatural is just as much at work today as it was 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years ago. But the key to the supernatural, the key to the supernatural is that it must begin in the home. It must begin in the home. We can't always be on a mountaintop. And we love mountaintop experiences. I love. We need services just like this. We need revivals. We need crusades. We need conferences where we can come and rub shoulders with our brothers and sisters and magnify the King of Kings and feel His divine presence. Soak it in. Allow Him to sweep over you. But we can't always be on a mountaintop. I don't know about you, but going to conferences gets a little pricey. Gets a little expensive. I can't afford to always be on a mountaintop. And we can't always be in the temple. We can't always be in the tabernacle. In fact, we just came through a season where we weren't allowed to be at the tabernacle or at the temple. I tease people and I tell them, you know, every, everything is divinely orchestrated. God is in control of everything. It's my personal opinion that he had to kick us out of the church so he could get back in. But the church will not survive the turmoil of this age. We will, in fact, thrive in the turmoil of this age. We are going to go beyond just surviving. We are going to enter into a realm of thriving because God is raising up a people that recognize the miraculous first has to start with me. First, it has to start in my home. If I want to see God perform the miraculous when I come here to my church, when I, if I want to see God perform the miraculous in my workplace, if I want to see God perform the miraculous in my grandchildren, in my nieces, in my nephews, in my children that have walked away from God, if I want to see God perform the miraculous, it has to start with me. It has to start in my home. It has to start in the private places. It has to start where no one else can see my consecration to God. God's raising up a group of people that aren't going to just survive. They're going to thrive. These people are going to cry out. Hardship, no problem. Trials, no problem. Brokenness, no problem. Take me to the tent of meeting because I, I have a personal prayer life that transcends and that proceeds any problem that could possibly come against me. Take me to the tent of meeting. You see there, I, I actually brought, uh, I brought my tent with me today. I, I brought my tent with me. How many of y'all have ever done some camping where you actually just slept under a tarp? You ever been there? 
I, I've done this a couple times, and I can just tell you it gives you a great deal of, of appreciation for something beautiful called your bed. <laughs> but there was nothing special. Is it all right if I drape this over this drum set? There was nothing special about this tent. It did not have pillars of gold. It did, it did not have special, specially woven materials that went over and formed the roof. It was just a tent. And we can surmise that although Moses was the leader of two million people, they still lived in the wilderness and his lifestyle would have been modest. There was nothing spectacular about this tent. There was no special location save that it was removed from the people. There is and there need not be anything special, anything unique about a tent. Can I just tell you? That yes, I have had some moments and some times in prayer where God has spoke to me. I have felt the presence of the Lord sweep in so heavily. I, I, I could do nothing but fall to my feet, fall to my face, and worship Him. I have had those moments in personal prayer. But can I tell you more often than not, you just get in the prayer closet and you pray. You touch God and you go on about your day. There is nothing special or supernatural. I, I don't have visitations of angels. I don't see lights and there is an aurora or glow coming out of my prayer closet. I'm not glowing and I don't levitate out and my my wife say, honey, cover your face. If you guys have that kind of prayer life, then I'm going to leave this mic right here and you can come up here and pick it up. But it is not, it doesn't have to be anything special. It doesn't have to be anything supernatural. If you want power in the spirit, if you want power in the supernatural, you just need a tent of meeting. You just need to recognize it's a day in and day out consecration to God. I am going to set up this tent wherever I'm at. You're having a rough day at work, bathroom break. And you go erect the tent of meeting right there in the restroom. <laughs> I, 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 maybe y'all haven't been there, but I've been there. You go on a lunch break and you say, I'm going for a drive. And you get in your car and the people pulling up next to you at lights are thinking you're an absolute freak of nature because you got your music on the tears are just coming down your face and you're just crying and reaching out to God there's nothing special about my jeep that's sitting out there it's just a tent of meeting it's just something I can throw up real quick and I can establish and reestablish my relationship with God where I can touch the throne room and when I have a need when I have a question God can come down and he can pour into me yeah. We just need a tent of meeting. And when times get hard, when times get tough, when the enemy is attacking you, when nothing is going right, when you feel, how many of y'all feel distant from the Lord? You can be honest. I've been having a week where I'm like, God, are, are you, I've been praying about this revival. I've been asking the Lord for a word. You know when he gave it to me? Like when I was two minutes away. I'm, in, I'm like, God, are you, hello, are you out there? And it's in moments like that where you just need to get your tent of meeting. 
It doesn't have, and I know I, I look as goofy as you're going to look. You just need something that'll keep you out of the rain. Something that you can establish. Something that you can set up on the fly. Something that you can set up when you're on a lunch break at work. Something that you can set up when you're driving to pick up your kids from school. Something that you can set up in a quiet place in the woods. A tent that you can just establish and say, Lord, I'm taking a moment. I need a word from you. I don't have time to climb to the top of the mountain. And the house of God is nowhere near bye i just need a moment with you take me to the tent of meeting amen amen there was nothing special about this tent no unique location the word for tabernacle in hebrew is mishkan that is not the word that is used here in the context of chapter 33, the word used here is ohel, and it literally just means tent. There are some of us that are facing things, and we are storing our hardships and our trials away and putting them in a little emotional vault until we get to church and then we're trying to pour it all out and reconcile it all in about an hour and a half, two hours. It's not going to cut it. If we want to thrive in this present day and age, we're going to have to get a tent of meeting. We're going to have to get a personal prayer life that says, I can throw this baby up and establish it anywhere I need. When I need to touch God, when I need to enter into the throne room, I don't need a mountaintop. I don't need a tabernacle. Lord, i got a tent of meeting that I can set up wherever I'm at. Amen. There's some of us in this room that for some time you have been controlled by fear and anxiety. You have been controlled by the opinions of others. You have been controlled by hardships and dilemmas. You have been controlled by addictions. And I want you to know that the struggle can end right here and right now. We are, in fact, at a mountaintop. And God is wanting to intervene in your situation right now. Whatever need you came with, the answer is here tonight. The miraculous is at work right now. And when I finish up and when I, when I open these altars and you come to the front and you begin to entertain the presence of the Lord, whatever you need, it will occur. Your answer is waiting. The promise is activated. And I want you to know you're going to receive everything that you have need of but when you walk out of here you need to take something with you evidently Moses had taken something with him it wasn't physical he had taken an attitude a mindset with him evidently in his time spent with God up on the mountain he said I like what I feel. Lord, I am so excited that you've given us plans to build this tabernacle. We need you. We need to come together as a body. We need this. 
We need each other. I, I, I read recently about a uh, gentleman. He lives in uh, Argentina, and he uh, lives the cowboy lifestyle, the traditional cowboy lifestyle, and he has lived alone by himself only to come in uh, to town for supplies for the last 40 years. Friend of mine, that is not me. I am quite confident in relating to you that I am a social butterfly, and I require other people to be around me. I think like four, four months, and I'd be off my rocker down by the river pretending I was a cowboy, <laughs> but uh, I, I couldn't do no 40 years. We are designed to be together. We are designed to pursue the things of the kingdom and the things of the spirit together. We need one another. I don't know about you, but I want every part of my body attached to me. <laughs> if we're all parts of a body, I am not okay with losing even a pinky. I'm not okay with it. I, I, uh, I, I had a kid recently. We have a daycare at the church. I have no idea why I want to tell you this. It's just, it, it blew my mind. Uh, he, he lost a fingernail, and this guy was a champ. I mean, he's three years old. He literally didn't even cry, not one time. I'm, one, I'm looking at my wife like, does this kid, does he feel pain? Like, what's, what's going on here? And I was thinking to myself in that moment, I hope... I hope, Brother Puckett, I could hold it down like this three-year-old just held it down. Because I, I, I remember losing a couple fingernails as a kid. And I can tell you right now, I didn't hold it down that well. <laughs> I was not that kid that was just silently there taking it. He's like, I knocked back a glass of testosterone every morning. No, I was that kid that was like, ah! I don't want to lose any part of me. Not even a fingernail. We need every part of the body. And I say that all to say this. We need every part of the body of God. We don't operate the way we should when even one part of us, when even one member is missing. We need each other. We need this. We need the temple, and we need the tabernacle. And, and Moses says, I, I'm thankful for the mountaintop experience, and I'm thankful for the opportunity and the blueprints that you've given me to build a tabernacle. But God, I need a solution right now. We have problems right now. You've given your people a very troubling word where you are not happy with them. And if you spend even one second with them, you're going to wipe them off the face of the earth. I can't wait for a mountaintop. I can't wait to build a tabernacle. I need a tent that I can hide under right now. I need a tent where I can go a private place, a quiet place where I can go and meet you right now. Can I tell you, if you will establish the methodology of a tent of meeting in your prayer life. Nothing will be withheld from you. Everything that you have need of, God will provide it to you. The supernatural must and has to start at home. If you are being, feeling like you're being controlled by fear, anxiety, depression, anger, all of these emotions which we know are on a rise, in this day and age. The only answer, the only answer 
I'll say it again. The only answer is Jesus. And the only way you can obtain it is through prayer. The only thing you can do is to establish a prayer life. I'm not, I'm not against uh, any form of clinical counseling. We have a full-time Christian counselor at our church. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm 100% for that. But I'll tell you right now, the only, the only entity in this entire universe that can provide you an immediate and instantaneous healing from anything that afflicts you has, will continue to be, and currently is Christ Jesus and Him crucified. He is the only provider. He is the only healer. He is the only way maker. He is the only chain breaker. If you're in need of a miracle, miracles come in many forms. The supernatural comes in many forms. Maybe you're seeking a miracle not for yourself, but for a family member. Maybe you're seeking a moving of the Spirit on your finances. Maybe you know of a marriage that needs restoration. Maybe you know of a relationship between a parent and their child that needs restoration. Maybe you know of a situation where someone's body is afflicted. Maybe that situation is in your own life. Maybe you know someone that is broken and hurting and suffering from all manner of abuse. Maybe you know someone that is emotionally broken, that has suffered trauma. Maybe you know someone that is struggling with a lack of self-worth. Maybe that person is you. Maybe you are struggling with an addiction. Maybe you are struggling with a stronghold. Maybe substances, maybe pharmaceutical pills, maybe pornography has a hold on your life. Maybe any number of things are afflicting you or a loved one or a friend or a co-worker. The power to overcome, to heal, to restore, to replenish any single one of those situations or circumstances is here right now tonight. And while I want every single one of us to be blessed by God, what God has in store for us tonight, I also want us to take what God has in store for us tonight and take it out into the highways and into the byways and use it to compel those around us. I think too many times we get caught up praying for our own situations and our own circumstances when God's saying, if you'll just be a river, if you'll just take what I'm pouring into you and you'll turn around and pour it into someone else, everything you have need of will be answered. And in the process, I'll perform the miraculous in someone's life that you love, a friend, a co-worker, and they're not going to see you. They're going to see me. Everything that we have need of can be found at a tent of meeting. 
when you're not on the mountaintop anymore, when the house of God is not available, take me to the tent of meeting. I want somebody to know, because you've been somebody has been struggling with this in their mind. You have authority in the Holy Ghost outside of this building. You have presence and you have authority in the supernatural and in the spiritual realms outside of this building. When you walk out those two doors right there, you're not checking your Holy Ghost to pick it back up next time you come to church. When you walk out those doors, you have power You have power, excuse me, and authority to tread on serpents, to command the enemy to flee, and he must. You have... Oh. I wonder if we can pray for a moment. Let's pray for a moment in the Holy Ghost right now. If you can talk in tongues, I would you, that you would do that for just a moment right now. Jesus, we magnify you, God. Let your spirit be at work in this place, Jesus. My authority doesn't just stop when I walk out those doors. I am a child of God. And when I command something, when I speak it, it has to happen. Not by my power and not by my might, but by the power of the living God who has branded me. Because one day I went down in a watery grave. I wasn't just taking a bath. I was taking on a name. And that name is Christ Jesus. And that name gives Gives me authority. Yes, yes, yes. If you want to step into the totality of that authority and into that power, it's going to call for a relationship with God that goes just beyond mountaintops and goes just beyond tabernacles and temples. You see, the powerful thing about a tent of meeting is that from Scripture we know that the other two options always required something. I said earlier, you know, going to conferences, that's the, that's the mountaintop experiences. Those are expensive. Those require something of you. They always have required something. That's why it's the mountaintop. Y'all ever done some hiking? Getting to the mountaintop is... It's not always an easy feat. I have, I've seen Everest up close and in person. And I can tell you I am very happy to say I am one of the people that has not climbed it. <laughs> I've seen, uh, uh, you know, things that you would think are not possible of the human body. I've seen some of those Sherpas do. Those guys are... 150% muscle. I, I kid you not, I saw a single man, a single Sherpa, the, the, the Nepalese gentleman that from a very young age began to hike to the top of Everest and they are the guides and they, they help carry all the gear to the base camp. And the base camp is no joke either. It takes multiple days just to get to the base camp. But I saw a single Sherpa no older than myself at the time, maybe 15, 16 years old, carrying on his head a baby grand piano. A baby grand piano. <laughs> I have no idea why he was carrying it, where he was moving it to. 
I have no idea why I'm telling you this story right now other than the fact that it was extremely impressive. But I say that to say this. The mountaintops have always required something. It is an arduous journey to make it to the mountaintop. Today, to get to mountaintop experiences, you have to pay some money. Sometimes it's in the form of a registration fee to, to get in there and, and hear the, the, the top dog speakers and, and feel the presence of the Lord and receive a word. Or at the tabernacle, perhaps, something was required. You know, you didn't go to the wilderness tabernacle unless you were going to be making sacrifice. That was how worship was made. And making sacrifice of livestock was essentially a fiduciary sacrifice. That's just like us. We come into the house of the Lord and we give to him of our tithe and offering. That is exactly what they always, people that tell you that financial sacrifice isn't biblical, have no idea what it's like to take their livestock as a herds person, as a herdsman. That, 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 is, that is your livelihood. Take the things that uh, directly, not indirectly. I've never taken a dollar bill and eaten it. Money don't literally feed me. But when you are a herd, when you when you own herds, that currency literally feeds you. It literally feeds your children. And so they were taking something that literally put food in their children's bellies and sacrificing it to the Lord. Financial sacrifice has always been biblical. But something was required to go to the mountaintop. And something was required to go to the tabernacle. But can I tell you, there is no requirements in Scripture to go to a tent of meeting. That's the powerful thing. God's saying, if you'll establish a tent of meeting with me, if you will establish a prayer life, I won't require anything of you save that you just show up. All you got to do is just show up and I will come down and I will entertain you with my spirit and with my presence and you will entertain me and we will speak together. This is a powerful portion of scripture right here. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. In the ESV it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. We see some some extremely powerful revelation in this scripture. We know that the Lord visited Moses on the mountaintop. And we know that the Lord would speak to Moses later on in the wilderness tabernacle. But there was a certain level of intimacy that occurred in just a simple tent. God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. But most importantly, the most important aspect of a personal prayer life, the most important aspect of creating a prayer life in just your closet, just the simplicity of your home, just a quiet place, 
is that those that come after you, they see what you're doing. It says, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. He saw the prayer life that Moses had developed. He saw the intimacy that God had with Moses. He spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he said, I want some of that. I want that relationship that Moses had. And so when Moses was done praying and he wrapped it up and he was ready to go to work, he was ready to go about his day. Those that came after him, those that led after him, his children, his disciples, the people that would take it, the man that would take his place. He said, I'm staying here a little while longer. See, that's the most powerful thing. It's not just the intimacy that you develop with God. It's the impact that you have on those that come after you. Something supernatural happens when you develop just a simple tent of meeting and you say, God, I need to reach you. I need to touch you I need to hear from you take me to a tent of meeting let me hide here for a while God I need to speak with you I need some answers God I don't understand what's going on around me I don't understand why I'm in this situation I don't understand why my children are afflicted I don't understand why you're doing this in my finances I don't understand why you're letting me face these things take me to attend a meeting I need some answers God God's not going to just give you your answer. He's going to impact those that come after you. We talk too much about generational curses. I want to talk about the generational blessing that was born in just a simple closet. Just my great-grandma talking to God. Just my grandmother and my grandfather talking to God. Just my dad and mom building a relationship with God. When no one else saw, but I heard it. I heard it in the wee hours of the morning. I heard it at night. And when my father and my mother have departed, I'm going to say I want to stay a little while longer. I see how God has visited them, and I want him to speak to me too. You never know, and you can never foresee or understand the impact that a tent of meeting will have. You, you can never understand the impact that a personal prayer life will have. Just when you think no one's watching. I, 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 we, some of our saints are from Oak Park are here, so they've probably heard me say this before. But my daughter woke me up the other night. She was still asleep, but she was talking so loud. And in her sleep, my wife woke me up, actually. I'm a heavy sleeper. And uh, that's very evident by my atrocious snoring, so I'm so I'm told. And uh, but my wife woke me up and she said, "Listen to Vivian." And Vivian was just she's three, she's about to be four, and she was laying in bed and she had her arms up in her sleep and she was just saying, "Hallelujah, Hallelujah, 
Hallelujah. And it broke my heart because I know exactly who she's imitating in her dreams. That's her mom. That's her mom 100% in her personal prayer time. Just when you think no one's watching, just when you think a three-year-old can't comprehend, God is visiting us. God is visiting us. And something is being birthed in the heart and mind of a child. Something is born in them. A burden is birthed in them. Supernatural things begin to happen when you just sent up, set up a very simple tent of meeting. Brother Marty Ballestero, he's a good friend of our family, and he told us a story some time ago. I've heard it a couple times, but never ceases to rock my world. He tells a story like only Marty Ballestero can tell a story. And he said um, his father was on uh, he, he's, um, his father was on his way to a revival. He was coming from a small town, going to a small town. He was in Kansas, and those of you that have been to Kansas, you know it's just endless swaths of field as far as the eye can see in every direction. There is absolutely zero zilch nada in terms of geography. And so there he was. He was driving through those beautiful, uh, the prairies and wheat fields and whatever else they were growing. And he said I was, he was on this two-lane highway and his father heard the Lord speak to him said, I want you to pull over and preach the word I have for you. And Brother Ballestero's dad, you know, he's, he's got a church to be at. He's like, God, we are, I'm in the middle of nowhere. That, he, that's me. That's, that's not God. That was me being, you know, crazy. I must have had one too many glasses of milk or what I ate for lunch is messing with me. And he heard the voice again, preach the word. I want you to stop and preach the word that I have for you. What? what do you mean, God? He said, I looked out in the distance. He said, the only thing I could see in sight, the only point of civilization was way off in the distance. He could make out one small farmhouse across uh, many miles of open field. He looked in the rear view. Not a single car as far as the eye could see. He looked ahead of him. Not a single car on this two-lane road. No, God, this is... Uh, no. He said, finally, the, ver the voice came to him a third time. He said, pull over and preach the word that I have for you. And he said, I felt impressed upon me a scripture and a text. He said, all right. He pulled the car over to the side of the road, threw it in the park, grabbed his Bible, took it out front, slapped it down on the hood, opened to the text he felt the Lord had given to him. And he proceeded to read his text, give the title of his message. He delivered a message. He said, I don't know how long I was there preaching. He said, when it was over, I gave an altar call to the crows. I don't know, groundhogs, just me and Jesus out there. He said, after I gave the altar call. I could tell he was an evangelist and not a pastor because if he was a pastor, he would have taken an offering too. <laughs> but he closed his Bible. He got back in his car, threw it in drive, went on down the road. He got to that church. He preached a message. The Holy Ghost fell. Tremendous visitation of the Lord. 
Holy Ghost outpouring. People were baptized in Jesus' name. And when it was all said and done, he closed his Bible and headed out to his car. And he said he heard a voice from behind him. He said it was shaky. It was a man's voice that had just spent quite a bit of time crying. He could tell, you know, that sound in someone's voice when they've been crying. He said he turned around. I saw a man. His eyes were bloodshot red. He had tears that had stained his face. He said he was like dirty, a little grungy. He said, Brother Balistero, you don't know me, but I know you. He said, I'm a, as of today, I was an alcoholic. I was delivered in this service. He said, I was walking from one town to the next and I was inebriated and I fell down in the ditch on the side of the highway and I fell asleep. He said, I was asleep until I heard a vehicle approach. He said, the sound of a car woke me up. He said, I was laying there in a ditch. He said, a man got out. He gave a text. He said, he preached a message and he gave an altar call and I was laying there in that ditch. He said, that word was for me. He said, I'll never forget the sound of that man's voice. He said, when the first time you spoke, when you got up in this pulpit, he said, I recognize your voice right away. He said, you're that man. He said, you preached that word just for me. He said, as soon as you left, I got up out of that culvert and I walked to this town. I came straight to this church and God delivered me tonight. He filled me with his spirit tonight. I'm here to tell you, it is just a simple, it's just a simple tent of meeting. You can set it up anywhere. It wasn't in some big venue that Brother Ballestero preached that message. It wasn't to 10,000 people. In fact, he thought it wasn't even to one person, but it was to just one fella laying down in the ditch, completely intoxicated. But he said, that word was for me. You don't know what lives will be changed when you step into just a simple tent of meeting. You don't know what strongholds will be broken. If you You'll just step into one simple tent of meeting. Let's stand and pray together right now. I'm going to open these altars. I want you to flood into these altars. I don't care if you're praying for yourself or praying for someone else. If you need a miracle tonight, you come up here and we'll lay hands on you. You'll receive it. If you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, tonight is your night. You will receive it. If you have a need for a loved one, tonight is your night. That's it, sister. You come up here and claim it. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Don't miss your opportunity. This is your chance. God wants to touch your heart right now. He wants to touch your life right now. Yes. Come on, the Spirit is moving. Entertain the presence of the Lord right now. Lift your voice and magnify Him. All you got to do is tell Him, Jesus, I love you. I want your Spirit, God. Jesus, I love you. I thank you in advance for the miracle that you've already performed.
That's it. Come on. Entertain the presence of the Lord. The Holy Ghost is here right now. Yes, Jesus. Yes. There's some of you that haven't talked in tongues in a while. Tonight is your night. That's it. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power right now. Holy Ghost outpouring right now. The answer right now. Receive it right now. something from here. I need to take something back with me, God. I'm not content. I'm not content. I need more. 